You are listening to Engaging and Exciting Conversation on the Radiant Culture Podcast. Podcast. Get ready. Now. Welcome, everybody. You're listening to the Radiant Culture Podcast. My name is T Mac, and I'm joined by some and some gentlemen. Yes, you are. <laughs> Cookie Monster. Always. Mr. Kent. Yeah, yeah. And Biscuit. Le Biscuit. What's up? We, 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 we. Yes, we're here. All the in way. The language that he understands. The, the man who's in a French country, but is not exactly adept. Guys, guys. But, yeah, <laughs> French is not one of those like, yeah, you just chill and you pick the Adam up. It's Adam. Not easy, yeah. I have no, to it's think because, backwards. It's because you weren't paying Bro. attention in school, isn't it? <laughs> exactly. Huh? It's because you weren't paying a, you weren't paying attention during French class. French class. I wasn't shy. I didn't know that I would need it. If they told me all those years back in grade the grade seven, I would have thought a little harder. <laughs> wow, you did French in grade seven. Yeah. And no, I didn't do it well. <laughs> wow. Okay. I guess I went to one of those schools where yeah, there were no such things. But <laughs> I did do French in high school and I loved it. But I flunked. Oh, shame. Yeah. Can we just move on to the <laughs> yeah. discussion of the day? Thank you very much. <laughs> All right. Since you know you're already causing so much controversy. All right. So today <laughs> we are talking about careers and our, <laughs> there's no such thing as balance. It's going to say work-life balance, but talking about bringing your faith into your everyday, ordinary life, which includes whatever you do during your nine-to-five. And the question comes out that are there such things as Christian careers or non-Christian careers? Like, is being a pastor the only Christian career that you can have or you can just be a Christian but in any sort of profession there is out there? Hey, but not any, but most professions that there are out there. (laughs) As long as it doesn't impinge upon your morals and your beliefs so that's what we're talking about today hmm. and i think already in this room we have a pastor we have a, an unemployed we have <laughs> wow. i'm joking biscuits <laughs> oh wow you're oh my oh my oh word. so you, you thought i was talking about you <laughs> why are you hating? the man is out there in geneva hustling uh, we have two self-employed. Okay, three self-employed. <laughs> three self-employed. Actually, we're all self-employed. Actually, we're all self-employed. Yeah, because yeah, we're all self-employed. Yeah, just one is greater than us because he's also a pastor. Uh-uh. So yes, <laughs> that's what we're talking about. <laughs> yeah, guys. So do you find that what do would you call what you're doing now? Are you are you a Christian electrician, Cookie Master? I know you're not an electrician. You're much more than that. But for the sake of example, okay, thank you. I was, I was gonna I was gonna correct you, but it's a I think it's a very important discussion. All right, what are you? Energy solutions, something, something, something. Yeah. Okay. I'm an energy expert. Ah, yeah. Okay, that sounds better. <laughs> thank you. You're a, in Australia. We call you a Sparky. Sparky. Mm. Hmm, kind of like that. Spark plug. <laughs> yeah, so for all of you out there who need um, energy solutions, energy projects, I'm your guy. <laughs> and um, to me, that invoice. this free advertising. No, but seriously, I think you know one of the one of the trickiest things, especially in our modern times, has been that uh, 
the balance, striking the balance between your faith and your occupation. And it's really re- referred to as the sacred-secular divide, right? That's generally how, how it's referred to. And I think it, it gets tricky sometimes because of, number one, where our world is at. Mm. Um, and also just with, with a lot of us Christians sometimes, you know, we, we struggle to... Because we, we want to classify things and put them into put them into boxes or put them into categories, right? So yeah. we we want <clears throat> anything that's related to our service at church and and all of that, we sort of classify that under sacred. Mm-hmm. And then everything else that we do, if you're an accountant, if you're an economist, if you're a graphic designer, if you're a an entrepreneur of some sort, then that sort of falls under under secular. And then what what happens is that often we then struggle to know where the two the two meet. So somebody's a pastor, we tend to view them as, you know, they they've got more of a holy or, you know, sacred occupation. Whereas the other person doesn't, you know, what what they've got more of a secular occupation. So I think it's it's a bit of a tricky one, but it shouldn't be mm. because yeah, just just because being a Christian ought to mean so much more than you know just what what we do in church. And if you look at it, most people actually don't have sacred <laughs> occupations, yeah. right? In in quotes, because most people are are in the secular world, and that that's the eight to five. So so I think it's a, it's a discussion that needs to be had, and it's something that I don't know. We just we really need to hash out and also um, <clears throat> help each other understand yeah i think the the i won't say confusion but i think we feel bad because um when you look at jesus he called people it's as if he called people away from what they were doing people were fishing and he's like no no leave that i've got something else for you to do Um, what's his name matthew was a tax collector he's like no no no, stop doing that i've got something else for you to do so we kind of feel like it's like if i'm doing my something else <laughs> is yeah. that bad like does christ expect me to literally just leave what i'm doing and go be a missionary in taiwan is that when i can say okay now i'm doing the lord's work why can't i just be the tax collector but be the godly tax collector so i think people want more examples of that in the bible of people who were doing both but and god was pleased with both if you get what i mean but there yeah. are plenty of examples yeah, I would say that there are actually plenty of examples if you look at the the negative space, if you want to put it that way. So, yes, uh, Jesus did call the apostles and maybe, I don't know if they actually stopped doing what they used to do. Uh, they probably were still, we don't know what they did throughout their 24 hours. But many of the other people he spoke to, he didn't tell them to leave their professions. He just told them to change their ways. He told the young prince, what to do? He would tell tax collectors what to do. He would tell the Pharisees, never told them, stop doing your current jobs. He just told them to change their ways. So I think in many ways, he called many people to ministry, but he never asked them to change their professions per se, unless I'm reading it all wrong. Well, there were some that were specifically called to uh, sort of like, um, yeah, change their profession we're called to change their profession you look at peter and and the fishermen they were totally yeah transformed they were literally like following him uh, and then you also you also have the, the definitely called to 
Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Then you have the the, the the rich. What's his name? The rich young ruler. Mm-hmm. You know. Uh, then there's the other guy. I'm forgetting what was he. He was not a rich young ruler, but the guy who was was called and said, "Look, I have to go bury my father first. And you know. Yes. He, he yeah. Parables like that <laughs> make us feel like exactly. I mustn't tend to my fields because yeah, and, I must be. And, doing yeah. This. And he was told, "Look." Hey, that wasn't uh, a, that wasn't a parable though. It wasn't a parable. Yeah. He was literally told to follow me and then he said no wait I have to go and no I'm and talking about the one where he's like there's a, a king puts on a feast G-g-g-g. oh no I think oh, you guys are talking about different oh okay yeah, I'm getting my stories confused yeah. it's okay yeah it's a but lot. yeah yeah but you are correct that a lot of them I weren't specifically told to to change their professions um I just did a, a quick look and I, and I was I guess most interested in in tax collectors and yeah. um in because that's one of those professions that just keeps coming up and is generally viewed as bad in the Bible, uh, because obviously they 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 were not very scrupulous people. But in Luke three um, <laughs> twelve, it says um, some tax collectors came to be baptized, and they asked him, "Teacher, what should we do?" And he told them, "Don't collect any more money than you are ordered to collect." And some soldiers came and then they were given the same advice, be satisfied with your pay, never use threats or blackmail to get money anymore. So it was change your life, but go back to what you were doing. Just do it right. So what I was going to say is that when we look at the historical landscape, we we see that, um, do, do you know that at some point the there actually wasn't, well, I guess this is more Western Western history, but th- there really wasn't a divide between the sacred and, well, this whole s- sacred-secular divide was actually not there because, uh, because of the dominance of Christianity, of the church, of theology. You find that a lot of the people who started institutions, uh, a lot of the people who were in government were people who had a theological background. It was a normal thing. It was commonplace. And I think... Uh, if you study history, if you look at the period known as the Enlightenment, um, this is when a lot of things began to change. And uh, what what we have now is what, I don't know if you, well, you, you probably wouldn't know him, but uh, there's a guy called Leslie Newbegin who, who, who wrote a, a book called The Gospel in a Pluralist Society. So he, he explains the fact that we're living in a pluralist society pluralist pluralist okay i have to say say that slowly pluralist society where uh w- what has happened is that there's this tendency to believe that we have the practical pragmatic world and then we have the religious um world where the 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 scientific world is really um said to be specializing in the domain of facts right so things are everything has to be factually proven but science deals with facts whereas religion deals with beliefs mm-hmm. and and i think what what has happened in our world due to that uh belief system is that more and more we sort of take science and the whole secular world to, to base what it does on on things that are regarded as, as more factual because it's really the the um, 
logical outworking of that of that belief has been that um, today in the in the workplace we say don't bring your faith into the workplace. So keep your faith private. It's a private thing, which is part of that whole pluralist thing that he's talking about. And as a Christian, when when you look at that, it's like okay, but is it is it really practical for us to say? I have my life, my relationship with God, which is a private thing, and then I have my I have my work. Because we are told to love the Lord the Lord our God mm-hmm. with all our heart, all our soul, all our mind, all our strength. And then the particular scripture that I'm that I'm um I'm looking for, I think it's first Corinthians chapter, yes, ten thirty one, which says, Do everything to the glory of God. Yeah paraphrase right but it's talking about everything that you do should be done to the glory of god meaning that we have a responsibility as believers to do everything we do to the honor of god everything we do is worship really or should be worship so as as the believer when i do my work um when i'm when i'm uh running the, the way i'm running my business the way i'm serving clients the the way that i i handle money all those things should reflect the fact that i'm a christian because my faith works my my, my faith is coextensive with my life they, they they work together the challenge now is when we start separating things it's tricky because this is where you now get people who are like ah you know what man i can just do what i have to do right but as long as i can bring the tithes to church it's yeah. cool. Yeah. And I think that's the risk that we run when, when there's that, when there's that <laughs> separation. It's like being the tithe is laundering your money. <laughs> you have gotten <laughs> through funny ways. You're clean like, the wow, money. It's all clean now because I put it to the house. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, that's a very good point. And uh, yeah, it's very difficult for a lot of people. I think first part, of course, to probably ask um, what, what, like, when you become a Christian, right, it's, your life has changed, you know what I mean? So there are certain things that you can no longer do, not because it's a rule or do's and don'ts, but because they don't conform to your <coughs> belief system. They don't add anything to your belief system. So now you have to look at your career in that light to say, okay, maybe I might need to change careers because of my new beliefs, because some of the things you may be doing, if you work in a strip club, then, you know, mm. it's, it's, it's not going to really benefit you and you may be contradicting your own moral standard yeah so those are the ones where you can clearly like tell um i can you know i can't do this and then there are ones that are a bit tricky where you know um say you're a lawyer and you have to defend a criminal and you know he's a criminal (laughs) you know you know the guy did it but you Mm -hmm. as a lawyer you know you're bound by client uh confident confidentiality and that sort of thing how do you navigate those those sort of careers that's where it becomes a bit tricky and where people get more confused because sometimes you you know you don't want to be you don't want to lose out on opportunities because of your faith yeah in your career yeah so it's a tricky one the other extreme is where christians then end up not doing anything mm-hmm. or we end up becoming very timid and over over cautious where just totally unrepresented in yes. certain occupations. You see what I mean? So like if I want a Christian lawyer, I'm like, where do I find one? Exactly. If everyone's afraid to be one. Yeah. So a big one is with things like government tenders. There's, <laughs> right? Especially in this part of the world, right? There's this, the, the general belief is that government tenders tend to be quite, you know, shady and mm-hmm. stuff, mm-hmm. right? 
And so what we then do is like, ah, no, this is shady territory, so I'm not even going to try. But, you know, I've spoken to people. I've got a friend who's in the medical industry who uh, he runs his own business, doing really well for himself. And, you know, he, we're on a group together and he's telling me, you know what, dude, I've gone for tenders where I've won the tender. I, I didn't need to pay anyone. Mm-hmm. I just won the tender fair and square. And it's like I find that a lot of people who are Christians won't do it because they're thinking, ah, what if it's shady? Yeah. So I think that's the other thing that we, we can end up becoming so... Um, cautious about all these things that we, we don't even then apply our faith to to these things or we don't you know we don't go the extra mile we, we're not we're not trying to be the best that we can because i think we also need christians to build big companies right we also need christians to to do outstanding things in the marketplace but being in the marketplace also means that you're going to have to deal with all these potential issues so uh but if we don't take the step at all then who's going to do it? We just leave the space open for people who, who are going to be corrupt and who, who don't care about God. So I think that's another thing where, we, where it's like our faith has to extend into the marketplace and we, we have to trust that God can lead us and can help us to, to do these things. Yeah. I guess one thing, one concern that some Christians might have is kind of like how the direction the world is going, whereby... You're always being told that yeah, you can't. I mean, even the word God, when you read subtitles, is censored to the mm-hmm. or Jesus, and you're just like, I mean, is that necessary? Like people feel like, am I imposing my beliefs if I run my business on in an overtly Christian way? Like I read an article about these very well-known bakers. I don't remember which state, maybe Atlanta or somewhere, somewhere in the states, and. They refused to take an order from a homosexual couple that was getting married. Yeah. And they were torn apart in the media. But the argument was like, it's our choice who our clients are. We're yeah. a Christian business and we don't stand for these type of marriages. So why would we do the cake? But then some Christians were saying you should have taken the order, opportunity for ministry. And then others were saying, no, they did the right thing. So it's like, it's a weird space we find ourselves in where we want to be overt. We want to be out there. But you also don't want to be crucified. But I guess persecution is part of the deal. Like Jesus did say that also. Yeah. <laughs> that, yeah. For my name, you might have to suffer. And maybe in business, that suffering is not getting the client, not getting the tender, and not being popular. Yeah, you definitely <coughs> have to count the cost. I mean, Jesus tells us to count the cost. And That's a good uh, one. I can definitely, you know, sort of testify or like, yeah confirm that i have lost opportunities because of uh i wouldn't take a uh, i wouldn't take a bribe or i wouldn't give a bribe mm-hmm. you know um could i was talking about tenders um our business started getting into i don't want to say the tender business but we started applying for tenders because you know we're just like what's there to lose mm-hmm. and we were talking about it you know three weeks ago with my business partner just reflecting and we're like we applied for 11 tenders last year we lost nine in one, two. Mm-hmm. You know, you can focus on the nine that you lost and be so... But we're grateful for the two that we... Because they were quite big. Yeah. For the two that we actually got. And we're like, it's actually possible. Mm-hmm. But we had to endure. And the two that we got were the last two we applied. Mm. You know what I mean? And the nine that we got, we're always getting... Oh, didn't make it, didn't make it, didn't make it. And after the ninth one, it's easy to just say, okay, maybe we should just... 
just once, you know, just say, yeah, yeah, we'll give you 10%. Yeah. You know, yeah. there's that temptation. But if you believe and, 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 and you're faithful, the rewards come. So I guess that, you know, that can deter a lot of people because, you know, there are a lot of losses and you have to count the cost, but you just have to believe that God is faithful mm-hmm. to come through. For sure. Yeah. Uh, Biscuit. Yeah. You you are living you're you're living in a in a part of the world that is that is very different from uh obviously from, from where we are here. Where you know here people can be overtly Christian. Pe- somebody can put a sticker or a poster on their car that's got their church event happening or their pastor or their prophet or whatever. And it's almost like a common thing. Wh- how have you seen it play out that side? Is, is everyone undercover? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I'll say the okay. There's not as much overt Christianism in that um, you walk around Zim. Dare I say, a lot of Southern Africa, which is is predominantly Christian, I guess. Um, and you find a Ebenezer tea shop. You find a combi that says, uh, to God be the glory motors and all sorts of things like that, where people are, are very blatant about their faith or their belief. Um, here, you, you don't have that. There's not as much church is in church's place. There's the, there's the church over there. There's the steeple. There's the cross. Go there if you want that. Next door, there's a mosque. Next door, there's down the road, there's a Buddhist thingy. Everyone's in their place. It's not so much about um, seeing it all around you 24 hours a day. So um, it, it's multi, very multicultural, very multi-beliefs. So people are very careful about foisting their positions upon others because it will be taken as you are being very dogmatic and pushing your own agenda. Not that people aren't willing to hear about your faith. They just don't like it being put upon them or feeling like it's being put upon them. So you do have to be careful. Now, I'm also in a diplomatic city. So religions also kept out of uh, a lot of office stuff and all of that because it's so ridiculously diverse here. You will throw a stone and offend someone if you just throw your religion out there. So... It's tricky. It's very, very, very tricky. And and dare I say it's the same, probably the same in most other Western countries. I don't know for sure, but I didn't have that different an experience in the States or even in Aussie. Yeah, so I've been thinking lately, are we supposed to be like out there and explicitly (coughs) Christian, like in your face? Is is that what we're called to, to be? And isn't it part of what, Jesus was warning us about when he was referring to the Pharisees saying, look, they like to show off, you know, that they are holy men, that they are, you know, the, the part of the, you know, they, 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 they know the law, you know, they are righteous. They like to show their righteous de- deeds. And he had that parable about, you know, the Pharisee who, who was praying out loud and like, I'm not like that sinner over there. And, you know, the, the sinner was praying quietly saying, Lord, forgive me. You know, th- those kind of parables get me to think, are we supposed to be overtly Christian? Because 
you know, I see a lot of people who like to throw it in people's face, you know. And I'm not against people naming their companies, you know, <laughs> you know, Eben Ebenezer, Ebenezer or some Christian term or some biblical term. But I think also we have to be strategic. Um, also, we, um, our Christianity is not about the outside appearance, but also about the inward, mm -hmm. what's happening inside. And what's happening inside will definitely show on the outside if it's really happening inside. And what I mean is that, you know, Jesus says, um, I think it's in John, and he was praying, this is the high priestly prayer, and he said, and by this they will know that they are my disciples. No, he was actually talking to them, it wasn't through the prayer, it was um, during the Lord's Supper, when he says, by this you will, they will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. Mm -hmm. Not if you proclaim that we are apostles and we are called of Jesus, but if you love one another. And how do you show people love? You don't just go and say yeah i love you and whatever but you show love you know when you help the sick when you accommodate people so i think when we the most effective ministry i've seen um is when you're not really directly preaching to someone but when you are there to lend an ear or a, a hand or something and your own behavior leads someone to question why do you do this? Why are you like this? Why are you so kind? Why are you so generous? Why are you so loving? And that opens a doorway for that person to accept because accept your teaching where you say, no, it's because I believe in Jesus Christ. And you then expand on that rather than this, you know, explicitly, you know, uh, we pray and we, we speak in tongues every morning before we start work. And, you know, yeah, that's, that's a bit. <clears throat> and then you force everyone, like in our organization, yes, we like to pray in meetings, but we're acknowledging, we don't force. We actually say, if you don't not comfortable to pray, don't pray. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. We're not going to force it on anyone so that they're not, you know, uncomfortable in the place, but they can see how we run the business, how everyone else behaves that may lead them to think, you know what, these Christians are actually nice and they might want to become one. Yeah. I can see how if you're in the position of being an employee, yes, it can minister to you without it being banged on your head. But to a client or a customer, is that conversation really going to happen? Yeah, but why are you so great? Like, no, they're just going to be like, okay, they were professional, they were good, I like what I got from them. On to the next. Like, are you really going to get to a point where they're asking you, why are you so professional? And then you say, it's because I'm Christian. Like, is that conversation seriously going to happen, guys? I don't think it's going to happen that way. But I do have, I do have an example of, of, a, of a thing like that where someone wanted us to do something and they made a mistake. Mm -hmm. And it, it sort of like could have cost them. Mm -hmm. But we offered to do it. Well, we went out of our way to help them yeah. anyway as a client. Mm -hmm. And they were so grateful and they questioned. And this was the exact words. <laughs> no one else would have done this. you know. Yeah. So it kind of ministered to him. They're like, no, no, only a Christian would have done this. Yeah. You know, that's That's great, yeah. yeah. I would also say that it's largely dependent on the type of work that you do yeah. and maybe on the scale of the business that you either run or a part of. So for example, I have another colleague who works for, and I can actually name this company because they are very vocally 
Christian, um, Econet, right? Econet is, is a mobile network. Um, it's a telecoms company here. Uh, I've got a colleague of mine who works there. He, he's got a job there. I started, I think, several months ago, loving it there. And for him, he actually said to me, working at Econet has been great for my faith mm. because I was starting to struggle. Uh, but when I started working there, seeing the CEO in the prayer meetings, yeah. right? And they, they're not like what uh, Biscuit was saying, that it's not foisted on anyone to be, to be part of it. But then uh, people come. It's, it's voluntary. You come. But he's like, it's so amazing to have, you know, you've got all your leaders in the organization that are in the prayer meeting. And it almost levels the playing field because you're all in there. You can share if you've got something to share. And, and you're saying several times the actual chairman, uh, who is the was Strive Masio, has, has actually come through and, um, and been part of those meetings as well, those prayer. And I'm just like, wow, that's pretty awesome, right? But I, but I think that's because from the get-go, Econet said they, they are a Christian company. That's how they, that, that's how they run mm-hmm. and all of that. Uh, then another example would be, you know, maybe a company that's a, that, that's a bit smaller where you, you don't want to be in people's faces necessarily. You don't need to be putting verses on on your reception and all of that, right? You, you, you don't have a verse on your uniform because there are people who do that. But you're just a little more subtle about it. And maybe it's a value that you hold that you, we're a company that is based on Christian values because the founders are Christian. I think it's got to be context driven because there are, there are instances where if you do that, it, it can also be a bit, it, it can work against you. But you don't necessarily need to, to, to be that. I think a big thing that we need to, to look at, living in this secular driven world that we're living in now, where there's more of a push for people to hide, right? Mm-hmm. The thing we, all, we, we need to be careful about is actually not wanting to be known to be Christians because we were like, ah, no, I, I don't want to offend people. So mm-hmm. I just, it's called privatization, right? Where you keep, where there's this, separation this cleavage between who you are what you do in private and what you and and the 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 face that you show in public and i watch i often see this on social media sometimes where it's like people are yeah you just wonder okay i mean it's your page but i I thought you were a christian Mm -hmm. some of these things are unbecoming you know some of the things you're saying are really yeah so so i i think there's there's a degree of wisdom that that is needed where you've got to study the room obviously you've got to study the environment but i think when it comes down to it you should not be ashamed yeah right sure. you should not be ashamed if somebody were to ask you to say hey listen are you a christian yes i'm a christian i think it shouldn't be something that you're like ah no i don't so we also have to be careful about that because that is what the culture and society is pushing us towards where it's like you know people become a little more timid and you're scared because you want to make it for that program uh, or you want to make it for you want to you want to be selected for that grant so you you then become more you know you, you're just timid and I, I know Keith you've gone for these exchange programs where you were where it's a very sort of anti-christian environment yeah. but but you have to and I've 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 been in the same position too and the temptation is often to say ah you know what let me just leave my faith out of this but you know what Sunday morning, I was going to church and sooner or later, people knew that I was a Christian and that actually opened doors, doors for me to have further conversations yeah. with people about and then people knew who I was. But I'm just saying, I think we, we also have to be careful that we don't 
hide that yeah, yeah. that aspect of our lives because it really should be um, the most important thing in our lives. I'd like to add to that, support that really, and just say that um, I guess the basis is that we shouldn't, we should never contradict our convictions. We shouldn't like, I guess that should be your, your, your way of deciding what to do and what not to do, what to be involved in, etc. If your convictions are very strong on a particular thing, don't contradict them. And I guess we must also, like you're saying, have courage to live our convictions. Um, as you spoke, the one thing, um, well, the one business that kept jumping into my mind that uh, sort of lived its convictions, paid the price, but survived through it was, um, or is, Chick-fil-A. Oh, yeah, yeah. Best yeah. chicken you can get. Delicious chicken. That stuff, this is not a paid promotion. It's fantastic stuff. But they refused to open on Sundays and they got such flack because most food restaurants are 24 hours all year round. And they refused. And they didn't go out saying, we will not open on Sunday because we're Christians. People then asked, why don't you? And they were like, listen, it's just against our beliefs. We don't work on the Sabbath. Full stop. And no Chick-fil-A restaurant opens on Sunday. And the world adapted, or rather the states adapted. They said, we love their food. We just won't go on a Sunday. It's okay. So sometimes maybe Christians are a bit scared to live that conviction because of the repercussions they imagine may come their way. But you can't live like that and also believe God is for you and, and, and protecting you. It, it, sometimes you've got to take that risk if it's something that you really, really have a strong conviction about. Yeah, yeah. that's good. Yeah, that's really good. So I have a question for you guys. Um, and you're just going to have to be honest. Are there certain professions that you think Christians should just not even attempt <laughs> to go and be a representative in? Um, I follow... Oh, man, what's that guy's name? Megan Good's husband. I forget his name. Oh, yeah, but. Megan Good's ex-husband. It was my ex-husband. correction. Sorry, Megan Good's ex-husband. But um, I always found them to be an interesting pair. Very interesting pair. <laughs> I even read the book, The Weight and everything. But people took issue with Megan. But Megan Good is fly. Yeah. <laughs> I know you have a soft spot for Megan. Um, people wow. took issue with Megan because even while she was married to this pastor and said she was working on her faith, she's still doing movies where she's you know, having to do scenes where she's intimate with other people and blah, blah, blah. And everyone was like, but what are you doing? Like, Megan, that's not good. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So I don't know. Like, are there certain things that we should just be like, ah, Izojatiti? Or she, because even for the husband, he used to be like, I was fine with her doing those scenes. I would pray that she does them unto the Lord. And I was like, fam, you've Uh lost me. I'm lost now. (laughs) What do you mean? (laughs) She's supposed to (laughs) fornicate unto the Lord. I don't know. I'm just like, I don't understand. This is a pastor speaking. It's SDA pastor to make it even Hmm. more hectic. So I was like... Liberal SDA, maybe. Yeah. (laughs) I was just confused. So yeah. Is there anything that comes to mind which you think, hmm, ikoko, adiko? I I would say, obviously, first and foremost, um, anything that involves you taking advantage of another. So that's all illicit activities um, would definitely fall into that 
category. So uh, being a professional pole dancer is not going to work um, any more than being <laughs> a world-renowned bank robber. You just, yeah. Those areas, I think, are immediate no's. Um, I don't know. Gambling, is it? Yeah, gambling, betting, yeah, mm-hmm. gambling. What, what's wrong with gambling? <laughs> you're taking advantage of. Something wrong with that? Well, you take advantage of what? You're taking advantage of people. It's a guy to boom the casino. No. Ah, guys, that is not a weekend. Yeah, but. Vegas is on my bucket list, yeah. Cool. What about throwing lots? No, no, that's not gambling, guys. <laughs> Casting lots. I think that's a bit different. Yeah, they're just they're, they're, they're no, taking a bet not, and they're... It's playing card games. What do you mean? What's wrong with that? <laughs> playing card games is not bad. Yeah, and then I just put some money on it. I mean, I that, that's competitive, right? That's that's different. Wait, but wait, wait. gambling. Pasta. Pasta. No, How? gambling and speculative gambling. Where you say this horse is going to win. Okay. No, no, no. But, uh, but how is that taking advantage of anyone, yeah, who's though? Who's that taking advantage of? You're, t- you're being an opportunist. <laughs> it's not like I have inside that info. That is morally not correct. How? How? Uh, uh, guess work. <laughs> it's not a guess who It's I'm looking at the odds and I'm like, this horse is going to win. Wait, how's that different from scratching that, from filling in that, okay, yeah, okay, yeah, grand, okay. okay, grand challenge, Adam, and then I just chuck it in there. And then I win a Mazda. Hey, and I use it for my Christian business. <laughs> <laughs> no, okay, but seriously, though. I'm just... just I think we need an episode okay, so on gambling. <laughs> I read an interesting article. Look, uh, it's not explicitly said in the Bible, but I read an interesting article that had some sort of reasoning to all this. Um, it was talking about, it was commenting on the fact that why is it that people who win the lotto end up broke? Mm-hmm. And the person's reasoning, and I'm not saying I support their reasoning, but it kind of got me thinking. Their reasoning was, you're taking from the poor like millions of poor people. Because a lot of, think about it, people who, who do, do the cards. Load, scratch cards don't have money. <laughs> and they're trying to get money. So you're taking that little that they have and it comes all to you. Yeah. Those people are now poor. Well, know, but, that was the but they were going to be poorer anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I, like I said, I'm not supporting his view, but it got me thinking. It was an interesting... So you're saying it's God's way of punishing them. <laughs> wow. God. I think that's stretching, that's stretching it a bit. I don't know. I don't know. But I would say this, though. Sure. And, and you're very right, Pastor, that the Bible doesn't explicitly say, but what it does explicitly say is that God does not like uneven scales. Yeah. He doesn't like unfairness. Yeah. And a lot of casinos, that's why there's that statement, the house always wins. Yeah. It's because the system is designed to take from you. Yeah. Now, if the system wasn't designed in that way and it was completely fair, I don't know what I would say. Maybe I'd have to say gambling's okay. But considering currently, most of these schemes are designed to take the money from you unfairly. You don't actually have a chance of winning. That's when I say, Kuti, yeah, ah, Papa, this is definitely not something you ought to be involved in. Oh, okay, guys. Yeah, that's my but you, you, you exit. No, I agree. No, the casinos, you know, 
it's obviously rigged in their favor. But you exercise self-control. If you can see you're losing and it's like your child's school fees on the line, you walk out, girl. <laughs> like, I will confess right now, I was in a casino maybe <laughs> two weeks ago. And I won against the house and I left. As soon as I was up, I was like, let's get out of here. <laughs> I'm not losing money here. You're smart. <laughs> I won 400 rand. <laughs> wow. <laughs> was this at Monty? 400 rand. No. And you quit. And I quit. Oh, I was no, like, no. I'm out of here. I'm not even sticking maybe around 50, for long. you'd have quit. <laughs> My guy, you don't get to 50,000. Exactly. <laughs> Self-control, my man. You get but well, well done. Well done. <laughs> Um, I think it's fun. I've done it. I've done it before, and it's yeah. Anyway, we're not getting into that. I, I want to actually. I want to. I want to respond to the to the question. Cookie, what's that? What's that statement that um, uh-huh. that that Ravi once said about what is defined as sin? And um, it, it, I think it goes along the lines of saying that anything that takes your attention from God is sin. Yeah, it's it's actually Ravi was quoting. He was quoting. Um, who's this guy? The him. The, the Hymnist, that's uh, Charles Wesley. Wesley, mm. yeah. Who? So I would say that where I find things like gambling or anything like that problematic is when yes, you get people get addicted and they know that and they prey on that, and that does take people people's attention from God. So I think any form of work that does that or leads in that direction is something that a Christian ought to stay away from. But yeah. I'm just thinking of the girl who is dealing me the cards. I mean, she does that all day, every day. And to her, it's like, these are just cards. Like, she's not controlling what cards come out of the machine. She's just putting them on the table. Oh, someone's controlling. Well, yeah, in the, the greater scheme, if she's thinking of it that way. But if she's just sitting there day to day and she's seeing that, ah, some people are winning against me, others are losing. And then she goes to church on Sunday and everything's bought. Like, I don't feel like it would cross her mind that I'm doing something that's, you know... I guess causing the, people yeah. to take the attention I, from God. Can I just, can I read? I was going to say yeah. before, before Biscuit um, came in, I was going to say the, because I know we, we've been concentrating a lot on the whole betting and gambling side of things, but just that, that question, we spoke about the sacred secular divide. Mm-hmm. I love how somebody put it. They said that the, the issue is not sacred versus secular, but really sacred versus profane. Mm-hmm. And and I think that's that's an important thing because when we start looking at certain occupations, uh, like T. Mike was asking, you, you can't be a Christian porn star. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I, I hope I'm allowed to say that word on this yeah, on this yeah, podcast. Yeah, yeah. We, I am. Yes, you can't be a Christian porn star because I mean that's that's a contradiction in terms, yes, right? Yeah. You you can't. Th- there are certain things that <clears throat> when you do, they directly violate the very thing that Christianity is about. So you can't be a Christian murderer. You can't be, you, you know, or, or, and the list goes on and on. Then there's certain yeah. things that we have to, that have to be driven by our conscience. Mm. So mm. when it, is, is it okay for a Christian to own a bar, for example, right? Is it, a Christi- is it okay for a Christian to own a joint where people are going to be coming and doing nonsense there? Um, I think some of these things, you, you then have to really, be driven, be driven by your conscience. Is it okay for a Christian to own a cigarette Brand. manufacturing company? Uh, do you know how many uh, people, Christian tobacco farmers we have? Okay, okay, well, yeah, uh, fine. But I'm just saying the list goes on and on. And yeah. and those things now be- are more nuanced and th- there's a whole lot more stuff that we have to think about. But here's what Susanna, it's actually Susanna Wesley, um, uh, 
Biscuit, who was the mother of Charles Wesley and Charles and John Wesley. She said, take, the, take this rule. Whatever weakens your reason, impairs the tenderness, the tenderness of your conscience, obscures your sense of God, or takes off your relish of spiritual things. In short, whatever increases the strength and, and authority of your body over your mind, that thing is sin to you, however innocent it may be in and of itself. I, I don't think this was quoted, but I think it actually says whatever uh, the original quote should say something along the lines of whatever increases the strength of and the authority of your body over your soul or something like that. Uh-huh. That, <clears throat> that thing is a sin to you, however innocent it may be in itself. And I think this is such a brilliant uh, way to, to, to define it because some things, like I'm saying, are really more nuanced. It's, we can have, we can have debates about, is it okay for a Christian to do this? Is, is it okay for a Christian to run this kind of business? But ultimately, we have to be driven by something something higher where it's like okay but what what does god say to me about this you know is is it is this becoming of me if you're living in an area you know there's certain places where it's okay to do certain things it's okay for for a christian to own a pub and a bottle store but then there're also certain places where it's like maybe alcohol is a huge problem mm-hmm. right now if you're the believer who's there and you're fueling that is that is that okay or, I don't know, I, mean, I think there, there's so many different ways, uh, so many different things we have to look at. But I think ultimately we've got to look at our hearts and at the driving force behind it to say, have we actually um, consulted God? Have we thought about that? Is, is that something that we're actively considering? Or are we just doing it because, you know, whatever? Because ultimately our worship, worship has to be coextensive with life. It's got to be something that we live out every day, including how we do business and stuff okay yeah Yeah, i think it goes back to something you said earlier where you were saying that you know whatever you do do it unto the lord Uh, and so you have to ask yourself in in whatever you're doing that particular thing am i do can i safely go before god and say this is what i've done you know can that casino owner safely go to god and say look uh, with these this money that we've won on the house Mm. you know (laughs) Uh, from the poor from the poor <laughs> whatever you know what I mean <laughs> and I know that, that that's stretching it it's really stretching it but um, you have to ask yourself those questions now I'm not I'm not against casinos or whatever it is but you know, sometimes I ask myself so what's the benefit what's, what value have you added from taking from people because mm-hmm. literally no matter even if they're rich you've taken from people mm-hmm. is it really a business I feel like a business is a service I've given you something of value Unless you, I guess you say, yeah, entertainment, I guess so. But hey, yeah, it's costly <laughs> entertainment. <risky> entertainment. <laughs> yeah. But ultimately, what's the benefit to, to the people? Have they come out better, mm. you know, out of that casino, out of that bar, out of whatever in- establishment that you have? Okay, yeah, that's a good measure. Can I ask, can I ask a question? Thanks. <clears throat> Thanks, Mr. K. A question to throw in there. I don't know if it really fits in our discussion, but... Um, Considering the listeners, maybe for someone, this is the first time they've thought about this and they're just working somewhere and they look around themselves and they realize that where they're working is, is one of those places that's not, not uh, very tenable. What do they do? Um, maybe, maybe, it's not so, maybe it's not so bad that it's like a blatant um, affront towards Christ, but they feel like, okay, now I need to 
to try and make my work my ministry? What are they supposed to do? How, how does one go about that? I think it's all about finding the right opportunities. I don't think it's about going around now, sitting down colleagues and saying, do you believe in Jesus? Are you going to hell or heaven? You know, that sort of thing. I think it's finding opportunities in service, you know, in, in you know, being the person who's there for people, you know, at, at your workplace when someone is sick, uh, taking that bowl of soup, and that sort of thing. Eventually, that person will ask a question or start opening up to you, and you find an opportunity, um, you know, to to share the gospel. It's just being, it's showing love. I think love is the greatest ministry that we can ever show because this is it. Um, when you show people love, they'll want to find out why you're doing what you're doing, and it's an opportunity to point to Christ. Yeah, I think we need to do a whole nother episode on kindness. Yeah, and because I think sometimes Christians in the workplace also feel like huh, if people know I'm a Christian and they'll want to take advantage of me, they'll think that yeah. I'm the one who will just roll over, won't say anything, who they can just take advantage of. So in that regard, they'll be like, I'd rather they didn't know. Maybe they can just think I'm nice from time to time. But if they really know that I'm driven by love and peace and all this stuff, People might just be like, ah, if you want anything, just go to that chick. She'll <laughs> she won't, you know, be too harsh on you or too mean or too whatever. So there's also that side of it. Like, yeah. where, how, what is kindness really? Like, does it mean you have to be Mr. Nice Guy all the time? Or can you also be firm? Can you also, you know, be the disciplinarian? Can you also be the boss who people may not necessarily like all the time? Yeah. <clears throat> that's, that's a good good point and i think it also go, goes back to that point about us being um unashamed about about our yeah. faith because the the flip side of that is what if as a christian you become the person who is the most hard working the person who has the the greatest work ethic you know what i'm saying like the person who 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 goes the extra mile to to do what needs to be done because you're doing it unto the Lord, mm. and so you're you're not you're not cutting corners. You're not you're not trying to get away with the least amount of work possible. But you you actually go the extra mile, uh, and I think if, if that sort of becomes the attitude that drives us to say because what I do is not just something I do because of me, especially. More so now in a world that is so me-centered, right? Everything is about me, 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 self-love and all these things. Th those have almost become the, the mantras of our day. You got to love yourself. You got to... And, and I'm like, yes, yeah, but there's just also something a bit shady about that, right? Do you and stuff because the bible tells us as a christian that your life is not your own you, you know so so i think there's there's that <laughs> side of things where maybe the way we conduct ourselves the way we do work i'm talking about here the the actual standard and quality of work that we do should also reflect the fact that we are we, we are we are christians maybe we should be the ones who who um do the most right mm. maybe we should be the ones who who are always looking for a way to advance things. And also it means that maybe if it's an organization where you're not being treated right, um, you, 
you're outspoken or you leave and you go elsewhere. I don't think it means that you should be a doormat and just accept everything that comes your way. But I think as as Christians, there's there's um there's another side to to the responsibility that we have, which is the love responsibility, mm-hmm. where we also need to to speak and stand up for those for for those who are voiceless, mm-hmm. right? We, so I, I think there's so many things to consider, but let's not be lazy. You know, in church, but. You know, you're whack at your work, you, you get there late, you don't dress proper. <laughs> you know you know what I'm saying? You've got B.O. and all those things. <laughs> You've got B.O. <laughs> all those things. I'm just like, hey, man, you're not representing. I'm not saying, I'm not saying that like, Jesus is going to love you any less because you've got B.O. But like, come on, man. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I, I think everything about us should be excellent. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, this is yeah. such a high standard. That is good. Yeah, that <laughs> like, reminds me of, of, of Daniel. Actually, the, the Bible says he had an excellent spirit, and that's mm. how, why he stood out. And if you look at it, he actually influenced kings, and certain kings started believing, you know yeah. what I mean, uh, because of him. But it had to take that excellent spirit, that excellent standard that made him uh, stand apart, you know what I mean, okay. apart from the rest. So sometimes it's, it's doing that, but eh, if you do a survey, Christians sometimes are not the most yeah, man. At the yeah, we, <laughs> we we often have a bad bad rap yeah. out there. Yeah, we don't like doing business with each other for that reason. <laughs> cool. Yeah, but I guess that that's the challenge. I guess to all of us, right? Whether you're working for a, a corporate somewhere, you're working in an NGO. You do whatever nature of work that you do. Maybe you're a sports person, uh, a media person. Maybe you run your own business. I guess the question is, how how can we best represent God in what we do? Are we are we actually churning out quality work? You know, do we treat our employees right? Do we pay people well? And um, of course, there's challenges that always arise and whatever. I get that, but I'm just saying. Do we have, like what Keith was saying, do we have an excellent spirit? And I think that's something we all need to strive for and something we need to strive towards so that in all we do, um, God is honored and there's that thing that's like, yo, I'm doing my best. I've given my very best, not just for myself, not just for my company, but for God. I think that that should be something that drives us. All right, so I think we'll end it there for today. If you have any follow-up questions, please do feel free to comment on our Instagram page or even when we send you the broadcast on WhatsApp after you listen to the podcast, feel free to send your feedback, send your questions, send your your comments. We want to have a conversation with you. We want to know what your thoughts are so that our future episodes can be informed by those. So thank you for tuning in. Um, so tides, what's the number, Mr. Kent? <laughs> I'm joking. Zero seven seven. Give them my number. Uh, no, but thank you for tuning in, and we will catch you on the flip side. Peace. Peace. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Radiant Culture Podcast. If you want to make a contribution, make a suggestion, or have a request, you can get in touch with us via email on radiantatthehub.co.zw or inbox us on Facebook and Twitter. Look out for the next episode and remember to share this one with everybody you know. God bless. It's hot. It's fresh. It's uncut. Hashtag Real Talk on the Radiant Culture Podcast.